You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. Whenever we have a first time guest on, I always make sure I let them know when I'm hitting record because uh, we just, when we start, as soon as Allison and I are on the call, it's record, we're going right now. Yeah, Whatever yeah. we were talking about for the <laughs> 10 seconds before I had recording permission, that's like, that's recorded. And I guess <laughs> all the time are just like talking. We talked to one, Keith McPherson, I bring this up all the time. Every time we have somebody on, we're talking to him for like 10 minutes. And then I don't know, or he's just like, yeah, so I don't know if you guys want to put this on the podcast or maybe we can work this in somewhere. We're like, bro, we've been, we've been live for like 10 minutes, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Everything's on the record. So you, you Everything's take what you cool. need. All right. And then <laughs> I will introduce the podcast. This is episode 72. I'm getting up there of the Bleacher Ooh. Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad and Warwick Gaming. As always, brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. Colin, I don't know if you're ever in New York City. If you are, check out this bar in Astoria. It's fantastic. And Allison, you want to take it away? I will take it away. Hello, everyone. I'm Allison. Um, You all know me, I think, by now. But um, so we have a guest today, in case you haven't noticed. Um, So here today we have Colin Cernelia. Did I say it right? You did. Perfect. Yes. Okay, sweet. So um, he is actually an author that uh, is kind of located in my area, so up towards like the Syracuse area. But uh, just released a book yesterday was the uh, the official release. Is that correct? Yeah, yesterday was launch day. Finally. Perfect. So honestly, I, I got a chance to kind of read it in advance, a little sneak peek, if you will. I've gotten to do that with a couple of books and I love doing it. Um, but this book is called um, Culture of Excellence, What We Can Learn from the Yankees About Leadership. So very, very interesting book. So I highly recommend. And that's why we wanted to have Colin on today to kind of talk a little bit, you know, hype up this book a little bit, see what we can do and get more people to to you know read some more Yankees books because who doesn't want to read Yankees books at this point right <laughs> exactly so is there anything that you wanted to start out by saying oh wow uh there's right on the spot. so right much on the spot yeah, right right. On the spot. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's yeah, always so fun. much I feel like I'm like uh what how, how many different things can I get in no but um seriously it, uh, the book uh it's about a three-year project so I'm super happy to finally be on the other side here and just doing the promotion and the marketing of the book and for anyone that wants to read it it's good for Yankee fans it's good for people that want to be better leaders learn how to have more compelling cultures uh, it's good for general baseball fans too so uh, it's definitely not I, I don't think it's your like traditional nerdy statty baseball book <laughs> uh, by, by any means but uh, it's definitely got a lot of really good stories especially if you're a Yankee fan and you can uh, appreciate some of those stories dating back to the dynasty days to current day and uh, I think there's just a lot of really compelling things in there. 
So um, I guess first question, of course, um, obviously you must be a Yankees fan. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know if I could have done a book like this. I, I think I think one of the things that helped me, like seriously, to do a 30-year scope of the book was was to be a fan and to sure. you know have have those stories already in the back of my head. Of course, I had to go back do research. I had to you know use resources and, and things like, like that because your mind plays tricks on you and you re remember things one way and they happen another way. But yeah, I don't I don't know if I would have been able to do this if I, if I wasn't a fan or at least I, I wouldn't have come up with the same concept I don't think right right absolutely and um you know kind of reading through the book I just I noticed even from the very beginning it was obviously you had a lot of stories but it was also just a very unique angle for a book in general um so like what caused you to look at it more from the business aspect as opposed to just the baseball aspect yeah, so my background is in doing this type of work. I run a leadership and culture development firm. I started it, I was living in the Syracuse area, as you mentioned earlier. Now my wife and I, we live down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so one of the questions that's always on my mind is how does the, how do what we do off the field, how does that perfect, or how does that affect, excuse me, the performance on the field? And specifically what I'm interested in is the, the leadership aspect and, and how that relates to culture. And so I'm always thinking of that, that question. And when I started thinking about it in terms of the Yankees, and so I'm 31. And so I've been alive for a lot of really good baseball grew up you know right when the dynasty was was kicking off and you know just uh, I got really lucky in, in that sense uh, but I I started you know thinking about 30 something years it, I was 28 29 when when I started thinking about writing a book and I said you know hey the Yankees haven't always been like this uh, you know there there's there was a time where people didn't want to play for the Yankees as crazy as that is to think about you know think about like a DJ LeMahieu who didn't even know where he had a spot to play last year and decided to come play for the Yankees because he wanted to compete and he wanted to win. And that just wasn't always the case. And you're always going to have, you know, the Zach Granke's of the world who uh, just are self-aware enough to know that they don't want to handle or they don't want to deal with the pressure because maybe they can't handle it or, or they just simply don't want to be part of it. Uh, but I think for the most part, you know, the Yankees are unique because, you can go there and know that you have a chance to compete and not just a chance to compete, but you have a chance to get better. Um, but that wasn't always the case. Uh, they were the toxicity of baseball when, <laughs> when the story begins and, and uh, we can certainly dive into that. But, you know, that was why, you know, answering that question, you know, how, how does the culture, how does leadership within the organization, how does that impact what they're doing on the field? And that was really at the crux of, you know, why I wanted to write this book. Yeah. And I mean, com to be completely honest, like it was so refreshing to read a book that was from like a different aspect. I mean, I love reading books like I have um, over in my like inside the empire or like, you know, the baby bombers and things like that. And it's all very, yeah. you know, it's definitely very baseball focused, but having something that was a little more refreshing, just a different angle to it was really, really great to read. So first of all, highly recommend it. I still will. Um, <laughs> And I know that you said about like three years ago is kind of where you started the process of the book, but did your vision for this book kind of start earlier than that? Or was it right around that time too? Uh, the actual vision for it was right around the same time. Uh, I think I, I, I had thoughts of it from reading books like the baby bombers, which I know is a, a book you've read as well. 
uh, the last night of the Yankee dynasty, uh, reading Joe Torrey's Yankee years. And, and those three books, I think, were um, kind of bridges to piece things together in my head and say that there, there's, a, there's a pretty long line of, of history here uh, that, that we can cover. And, and to your point about it just being a little bit different in the sense that, yes, we're talking about the Yankees and the Yankees are a baseball team and the Yankees players and executives and coaches, they're all seen through that lens. But the, the point of, of the book, and I, and I think it reads this way because I've had people that, that don't like baseball <laughs> uh, and, and certainly don't like the Yankees as a result have read the book. It's the Yankees are an organization, right? It, they're a business and, and we're all in the business of life. We, we all have to work so we can all relate to that. And the Yankee players, executives, coaches, managers, whoever we're talking about, they're people. And so when you tell these human stories about them and the things that happen off the field and how they overcome these moments where, you know, even when it was really good, there's, there's these moments that I'm thinking of in my head right now where it was so close to falling apart. Uh, but, the, but they, you know, band it together. They had some really great leaders step up and kind of keep it together. So, uh, you know, I think, I think just, um, you know, the, the vision of it all was there for a while, but it wasn't until maybe I started doing some actual research and, and started putting uh, hand to, to type uh, that, that things actually started coming together about three years ago. Now, Colin, I got, I got to be honest for a second. This summer in particular, I've never been lower on the business of baseball. Never been lower. <laughs> this has been an absolutely brutal summer for the business side of baseball. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not great. No, no, it's not. And, you know, there's even before everything happened with the pandemic, you know, you have everything coming down with the Astros and, and the way that that looks for Major League Baseball. And obviously that directly affected the Yankees, uh, among many other teams, not, not the Dodgers are, are probably the, the biggest uh, snubs of, of all of them. But uh, yeah, there, there's, um, you know, baseball business is tough. And uh, that that's probably the so the last part of the book is probably the the nerdiest part of the book when when you're talking about baseball and and how it works and what the Yankees are up against because in a lot of ways you can just naturally transfer the lessons that the Yankees do because you can say okay they invest in the best players and as a result they you know have a really good talent level and, and they win a lot of games. Um, but baseball isn't the open market, right? Not like here in, in America, where if the Yankees are Google and, and they're making all this money, Google doesn't have to worry about paying all the other organizations in the world. Whereas the Yankees, if they go over that soft cap now because of that, that CBA agreement that was, uh, I think it was 2000 uh, that it came into play. The Yankees have to pay out to all the other teams, big market teams, small market teams, you know, the Red Sox just went through it and they decided to reset. The Yankees did that, what, two, three years ago. Uh, and it's just, it doesn't make sense. And it drives Yankee fans. And I don't know if, if you guys have come across this. I'm sure you have, but it drives Yankee fans crazy that they just will not go all out every single year like George Steinbrenner used to. And I, and I keep telling people, I'm like, it's, it's just not going to happen. I, I really don't think as long as Brian Cashman and as long as Hell Steinbrenner are running the ship, I don't think you're ever going to see that again. Will you see the Garrett Cole signings? Will you see the Giancarlo, Giancarlo Stanton trades? Yeah, of course. Uh, but you're never going to see them run the team into the ground for one championship because Brian Cashman and Hale Steinbrenner are thinking five years ahead. So unless, unless Steinbrenner is getting ready to sell the team, unless Cashman's getting ready to jump to another organization or retire, 
you know, I, I don't think they're, they're going to blow it up uh, just because it, it, took, it took Cashman so long to convince Hale to, to do that sell-off. I mean, they were working together since 2008. It took him eight years <laughs> to convince him that he needed to do things a different way. So I just don't see how it's going to be any different. I call it be, being fiscally responsible. Yankee fans call it being cheap. Uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a different era in Yankee baseball. But in the, in a lot of that just has to do with the business of baseball. Yeah, I mean, we've had plenty of discussions this offseason about so the many. business of baseball. So and, you know, especially about Yankees Twitter. I, I don't know how involved you are with Yankees Twitter, but they can be insane. Um, just, yeah. I mean, like well, I had to fight with people this for the trade deadline. They were like, oh, my God, the Yankees didn't make a move. I'm like, did you see how much the Padres gave up for Clevenger? Like, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to get rid of Clint Frazier? Do you want to get rid of these guys? No? Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it, you know, it's, that's just noise, right? I mean, like, yeah, you want to please the fans and the fans, you know, put money in your pockets when we're not in a COVID world and they're coming out to games and they're buying memorabilia and, you know, all this type of stuff. But I mean, just think about a week ago or a week ago, uh, you know, and, and the Yankees are on that, that big losing streak. And not only do you have, you know, the, the fans on Twitter, but you also have beat writers, you know, calling out people like Aaron Boone for not showing enough urgency. The same people who are saying that he's so great because he's Joe Cool. He's like the same thing as Joe Torrey. You know, same people calling him out. And then five days later, they go on that five-game winning streak or whatever, and everyone's praising them. And it's like, what, what, what's going on? And that's just the Yankees. You know, it's, it's crazy like that. And I love it for the most part. But it can be a little exhausting when, when things go off the rail, for sure. <laughs> it's really exhausting when you're a, a quote-unquote content creator. And you have people <laughs> jumping into your, into your mentions like, no, this was stupid like last year someone's telling me we should have traded glaber torres for matthew boyd because we needed a starting pitcher like, i can't even like process what's going through your head where you're like you have absolutely no regard for the future it's a yeah, bad well, trade as it is but it's yeah. i mean looking down the road cost controlled from a business standpoint you're not going to have to pay glaber what he's worth until his sixth year and his sixth year of arbitration unless you extend him. so you're looking at four more years of a pretty affordable all-star shortstop and you're like, yeah. no, like we can get a really good picture for him right now, though. Yeah. And, and you've seen the Yankees be more willing to, to give out those early extensions. They did it with Hicks. Uh, they did it with uh, who, someone else, they, uh, Severino, uh, the, mm -hmm. the same year. You mm -hmm. forget he's even on the team because he hasn't pitched right. since then. <laughs> Uh, but but they've been more willing to do that than they were in the past because in the past it, that was the George Steinbrenner method, right? It was like, okay, let's get rid of the 23-year-old hotshot for this pitcher that might win us six games this year, and and uh, let's try to win the World Series. You know that that was how he ran the team into the ground during the 1980s. Yeah, they they won more games than anybody in baseball during the 80s, but by the time the 90s ran, came around worst record since I think it was 1968 and they second worst record in all baseball. I think it was just the Braves that, that had a worse record. So it's just not sustainable in, in today's world. And it, like I said, I, I think it is hard for, for some fans to, to come to terms with, uh, but it's, it's, I, I think it's the better approach. And uh, you know, I, not that anybody really cares what my opinion is. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> it is though. It is, it is the better approach, especially in the game today when you, you value players differently where you can look at a guy like Luke Voigt and say, well, he didn't break into the majors until he was, what, 27? So right. we're going to get the prime years of this guy's career. And by the time he's 33, we're probably just not going to pay him. Yep. 
when he finally hits that arbitration. So yeah. So we're going to get the best years of this guy's career for literally nothing. And you let two pretty good relievers go. Chase and Shreve was not a great reliever, but he had his moments in 2016. (laughs) Uh, Gallegos ended up becoming the closer for the Cardinals. (laughs) I haven't heard that name in a minute. (laughs) That's one of our favorite names to throw out there. Like one of the best things to do on, especially on Twitter, is just to be like, hey, you remember when this guy was on the team? And everyone's like, oh, my God. Uh, if you do that with, like, those 2013, 2014 teams. Oh, my God. Teams, Vernon Wells hitting cleanup. Uh, yeah. Uh, who was the shortstop? Uh, on the team? Eduardo Nunez. <laughs> yeah. Reed Breniak. Yeah. Kevin Euclid. Oh, yeah. Those – and and Girardi somehow kept them competitive. It was like the last week of each season that they and yeah, they didn't well. make the playoffs. But oh yeah, crazy. <laughs> so um, uh, another question I had is in uh, going back to your book. What is the favorite part of your book? If you're not giving away any spoilers, any favorite stories <laughs> or things that you tell anecdotes? Uh yeah. Uh, the, the two, the two people that are featured that are my favorite features in the book are Joe Torrey and David Cohn. Uh, obviously I, I think Torrey gets the, the recognition that he does. And I think Cohn does, you know, for the most, especially, you know, being on, on the yes network now and, and being pretty visible to fans who maybe didn't see him pitch with the Yankees. Uh, so, uh, Torrey is just so good at so many things uh, but his his story is so incredible because you know as as i'm sure both of you are aware he was fired three times before he came to the yankees and uh, so you know he was fired three times he had had a, a pretty successful playing career won an mvp played in atlanta played in st louis uh, but by the time he came to new york you know he was on his last legs the, he knew this was a, his last chance and so it's just really, it's really cool uh, when, when I did the research on, on Tori to see how he was so self-aware of what his strengths were and what his weaknesses were. And then that first year, you know, right away, just knowing that Steinbrenner's looming and that things can change, you know, instantaneously. I mean, he almost got moved to GM before the season even started because Steinbrenner got, you know, scared about what, what the fans were saying when that clueless Joe uh, thing got plastered on, on the daily news. So uh, he, you know, he knew his time was going to be short if he didn't go out and win because they had a team that, that was ready to win. And, and uh, so Tori, you know, I think one of the greatest things he did was, was bring in that staff, the, the coaching staff, you know, it's Chambliss, Willie Randolph. He, he retained with Buck Showalter. Um, you know, he brought in uh, Mel Stoudemire, uh, Don Zimmer, uh, obviously, who had also been a manager and, uh, you know, could kind of relate to Tori in, in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, he brought in these people, you know, Randolph and Chambliss that had played in New York and had won championships in New York and, you know, said, okay, these guys know what it takes to succeed and win here. They, they, they can help me fill in that gap. And, and I think Tori's a, a really great example of someone who had a lot of success early in his life, then went through a period where he wasn't as successful and and then he had a super successful run with the Yankees and even with the Dodgers uh, toward the end of his career. And so you look at like Tory's scope and, and it's just a really great reminder that life is very long, right? Like, you know, we, we tend to focus on just the present and forget about the past or uh, overlook what the future might bring. And 
Um, so it, it's really cool to see Tory, you know, be successful, then not, then get back to success, Hall of Fame success at that. And I think it's just a really cool reminder too that you know Tory, because of I think some of that failure, uh, and because he wanted to succeed, you know, was able to uh, again fill in those gaps where his weaknesses were, be self-aware, and, and do those type of things. And, and um, you know, I think Tory was was also really good at just relating to his players. Um, you know, the the story in the the, the book starts uh, with Billy Martin passing away, and uh, you know, I take uh, I, I'm. I'm not shy about uh, the fact that I don't think Billy Martin was, was a good manager in, in terms of uh, leadership and, and, you know, what you would expect from your on-field manager. Um, you know, Billy Martin's a, a Yankee. He's always going to be remembered as a Yankee. That, that's fine. But some of the things Martin did during, during his tenure certainly, I think, led to that toxicity that existed with, within the organization. And you look at him and you look at Joe Torre, and, and they're pretty much complete opposites. Uh, Joe Torre would shield the media from from his team, uh, and anytime anything bad would come out, he'd make sure a player heard it from him before the media told them about it. Whereas Billy Martin used the media as a way to remind his team that he was the boss, and anytime he wanted to to say something or to, to fire a shot, you know, just like Steinbrenner used to, uh, he he would use that the the media as as his vice, and uh, you know whether it was. Martin getting into brawls in, in hotels with players or uh, obviously getting drunk and, you know, unfortunately dying on Christmas day of 1989, you know, there was, there was just a lot of uh, black marks on Martin in terms of leadership. So you compare them, those two as, as managers. And I think it's really clear that uh, not just, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, we're, we're advancing as a, a society, hopefully in uh, getting better with these things, but they're, they're just two completely different people. Um, real quick with, with David Cohn, the reason he stands out, some of the stories, uh, he was, I felt really, really good at uh, having difficult conversations uh, and, and being that person that would step up in those moments of adversity that I mentioned earlier when he was part of those dynasty teams. But there, was, there were moments within those dynasties where it was really close to falling apart. Uh, one in particular that I always think about because Chuck Novelak was my favorite player uh, growing up. Uh, Knobloch had his infamous moment in game two of the 98 American League Championship Series with the Indians, where there's the bunt late in the uh, extra innings, I think it's the 11th inning of the game, and uh, instead of retrieving the ball that, that Tino Martinez throws over to first and hits the runner as, as he's running by, Knobloch stands at first base, argues with the umpire, the ball rolls away. Indian runner, uh, it's, uh, Enrique Wilson, ironically, uh, score, scores all the way from uh, first base. Indians take the lead, take the momentum in the series. And, and that was a really tense series because the, the Indians, if everyone remembers, had beaten the Yankees in the playoffs the season before uh, and had taken that title away from them. They were, you know, 96 reigning champs. And uh, so Novelak has this you know, dumb moment. And to make matters worse, after the game, he denied to the media that he had done anything wrong. And that just infuriated all of them, all of the fans, made everything worse. So they're on a plane headed to Cleveland for game three. And Cone goes to the back of the plane. Knobloch's there all alone, you know, obviously upset. And Cone, I think, had the, the wherewithal to, to understand that Knobloch probably didn't mean to come off like he was in denial. But that's exactly how it was perceived. And, and Cone knew that if the Yankees were going to advance in the series and, and have a chance at winning the World Series this year, they needed Knobloch. And they also needed to get rid of the distraction. 
so Cone decides to go back to the plane, grabs Knobloch and him a beer. And he tells him the story. If you Google it, it's, it's actually hilarious. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but David Cohn actually made almost the same exact mistake when he was pitching for the Mets in 1990. I think it was versus the Mets. Uh, it's not in a playoff game, so the, the stakes are, are way lower. Uh, but two runners score on, on his blunder. <laughs> and so he goes, he goes to the back of the plane, tells Knobloch this. So he starts you know, relating story, just kind of break the ice. They share a few laughs at, at each other's expense. And then Cone gets serious and he says, you need to end this now. You need to go to the media. You need to admit that you did something wrong. Nip this in the butt and let's move on. Uh, he said, it's going to lift a burden off of you. It's going to lift a burden off the team. We can't accomplish what we need to do until we move on from this. Uh, and long story short, Knobloch, you know, went to the media the next day, admitted that he had made a mistake ended up you know, hitting that big three-run home run in game one of the World Series, uh, actually played really good defense, all his uh, defensive concerns uh, notwithstanding. And you know, it just was a really big part of the Yankees winning the World Series that year. And you can play the what-if game all day, uh, obviously, but you know, who knows what happens if Knobloch doesn't uh, you know, do that. And who knows uh, you know, if Knobloch ever does that, if David Cohn isn't there to, to be the one to say, hey, we need you to do this for the betterment of the team. Sure. Huh. I never heard that story before. So that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Google, Google the videos. It's like eerie how similar it huh. is. It's, it's crazy. It, just like Google David Cohn, Chuck Knobloch, uh, miscues or, or whatever. It'll, it'll come up. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I'll definitely have to do that. Um, James, did you have any other questions before I approach the most appropriate question that we've ever asked? And we always ask all of our guests. Oh boy. I, I almost forgot what the, what the answer was to the uh, question we ask everybody. I can't remember what the question is. I got to write it down one James. time. Um, well, Hey, you remembered. It's all good. Um, I wanted to know what you see similarities, differences. We mentioned the Yankees from the business aspect are a little bit different from the Steinbrenner era to the now Cashman. Let's be honest. He's the one really running the show era. Yep. Um, what are the differences just from a team success standpoint where you look at the 80s and 90s Yankees, then you look at the 20, late 2015, 16, 17 Yankees, what's similar between those teams and these teams? Yeah, so I think what's similar in a sense, although I, they did a little bit more winning in, in the early part of last decade than they did in the early part of the 90s. Uh, I think they, they were just flat products, right? Like they just weren't exciting teams. They probably weren't ever going to win the World Series unless they got luckier than, than any team in the world. Um, and, and they were just kind of there, uh, just, just going through the motions. And, and, you know, that was when Hal Steinbrenner was still trying to operate in the same way that, that George was. And he went on that spending spree for Jacoby Ellsbury, Brian McCann, and Carlos Beltran. Uh, it still drives me crazy that we're paying Ellsbury this year zero dollars not to even be on the roster, but that's that's another conversation. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, there, there's that similarity in the sense that they, there was the recognition that something was wrong. Uh, and, and then there was the ability to flip the switch. And, and so what I'm most interested in is what the next five years looks like, um, because, you know, my my thinking is 2016 is probably like 1993 if you're like trying to, to compare the the two uh, eras 
And um, obviously it took a few years after that before the Yankees won the World Series. And we're still waiting uh, on this iteration to, to hopefully win a World Series at, at some point. Not that that's the, the end all be all these, although, you know, at professional level, I'm, I'm sure it is a little bit more. But, um, you know, I think if you look five years from now or if we, we can go ahead five years and we can look back, uh, I think the Yankees definitely will have won a World Series uh, unless – unless they get even more crazy injury problems uh, or something serious happens. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't see a way that they can't just luck into one because of, of how responsible Cashman and, and company have been with the player development, uh, with keeping the core intact. I mean, that's the biggest similarity, right, is you have, like, Glaber Torres being, you know, Derek Jeter. They're paying him dirt cheap money uh, to, to be one of the most productive guys on the team. Um, you know, the, the Garrett Cole, you know, maybe is the, the David Cohn of, of this team, you know, the, the savvy veteran uh, and, and things like that. So they have, they have a lot of the, the same type of uh, players and, and things like that. And, and so there's definitely a lot of similarities. Will they, you know, turn into a dynasty? I, I don't know. I don't know how sustainable it is to the, the closest thing we've seen to a dynasty in 20 years is, is the giants and, and they could never repeat. They, they just did it three times in five years. So, Will we see a true dynasty? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm hopeful as as a fan, uh, but just as as a realist, uh, I think if they can get one, great. They'll they'll try to build on that. Uh, but but I think the nice thing is, you know, again, as long as Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner running the show, uh, I think you could pretty much expect the Yankees to be this competitive for for the near future. I mean, look at what the Dodgers have done. Uh, it's it's been like ten years for them to to be at this level. So if the Dodgers can do it, and and they're at you know, pretty much the same payroll. There's no reason why the Yankees can't do it. And we're in you know, year three uh, of that now, uh, basically. So, you know, the next seven, eight years and counting, because it looks like the Dodgers aren't going anywhere. So the Yankees, I feel like the Yankees should be able to replicate that, right? Like that, that is a good uh, model for, for what we should expect if you're a fan or if you're just trying to, to outlook the future here. So, um, a lot of similarities, uh, hopeful uh, again, as a fan that we're seeing some championships, but, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just really happy that, that as, as a, as a fan, there's, um, you know, I, I can go into every season, you know, having hope that, that the Yankees are, are going to be there at the end of the year. And, and there's just so many organizations that, that can't say that. And, and the money helps sure. But, I think the the one good thing that George Steinbrenner gave to this organization was like that, that ruthless desire to succeed. And, and that has carried over. He's been dead 10 years, uh, but, but that has carried over. And that's why you see fans get so upset. Uh, and that's why you see players uh, in particular push so hard, you know, even when we're in the middle of a global pandemic here and there's, there's no fans and what are they even playing for and they're away from their families and, and everything like that. And it's because the, the will to represent the New York Yankees and do it well, it's like the New Zealand all blacks. Like they, the Yankees come in and they want to leave those pinstripes in a better place than they were when they got there. And I think that's really cool, not just from a fan perspective, but it, you know, for breaking it down from an organizational leadership perspective, like I did in my book. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so final question. Um, Unwritten rules. James, oh come on. You, you know the questions, okay? Oh boy. So basically the question we usually ask is about unwritten rules. It's mostly about bat flips. That's the big thing. <laughs> bat flips, yay or nay? We just need to know. Oh, yay. 100% yay. 
thank goodness thank goodness okay oh yeah yeah i mean unwritten rules for the most part are are dumb i mean that they're not written for a reason right like they're they're outdated uh some of them are racist <laughs> uh even so uh yeah the bat flips all all for it i mean like look at look at videos of like mickey mantle back in the day he was he was flipping bats and nobody said anything i'm, I'm sure of it i mean maybe he wasn't being you know like joey batista but he he was flipping bats. <laughs> Babe Ruth called yeah. a shot and talked shit yeah. to the dugout afterwards. You gonna tell yeah. me that that guy wasn't bat flipping? Come on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's that footage of him like you know pushing the the uh, pushing the guys back in the dugout or whatever he's doing as he's rounding third base after the called shot. He's like, get back in your dugout. So. <laughs> Well, good. So thanks so much for coming on, Colin. And um, once again, just a reminder, uh, Culture of Excellence, what we can learn from the Yankees about leadership is now available for purchase. And where can we purchase that, Colin? Yeah, you can find it on all the major retailers. It's uh, slowly getting into actual stores, too, up and up and down the coast. COVID's uh, causing a little bit of a delay on that. But uh, the easiest place to see all your buying options, just go to my company's website, talent409.com. And then uh, you can just click the culture of excellence tab. There's uh, options to buy directly from me if you want some goodies, just bookmarks and stickers. It's nothing crazy, but uh, that, that, that supports me the, the most. But you can buy Amazon, Barnes Noble, you know, all those good places as well. Awesome. Well, great. Thanks so much for coming on and um, we'll make sure that you get a nice little clip to put on your Twitter as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Of course. No problem. Nailed it. Nailed it. I kind of wish I had recorded that reaction. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> no worries. Here we are. We're back. So What's talking about? Garrett Cole's throwing a gem tonight. All right, let me also talk to you about something because I was looking up some stats earlier today. I know, big stat girl. Um, Garrett, apparently there's a stat for quality starts. I did not know that. Did you know this? I did. Okay. I had to look it up just to be sure because I was like, what the frick does this entail? It says a quality start is a statistic for a starting pitcher defined as a game. Oops, it's not... It's, it's six innings with three right. earned runs or less. Correct. Well, Garrett Cole has had six of ten starts be quality starts, and he leads the team. Debbie Garcia has had three of four quality starts. Debbie's been fantastic. Uh, he, got, he got touched up a little early uh, yesterday. But, I mean, we opened up a pretty sizable lead. At that point, you know, when he gave up those second and third runs, that was like, all right, let's just throw strikes because it's, it's very clear that we're going to dominate this game from start to finish. Right, exactly. And once again, things are happening tonight, too. So as we're speaking, you know, Kyle Higashioka is doing things. He only hits home runs. He only hits home runs. I've never seen Kyle Higashioka hit a single. Never well, in my entire life. I don't remember what year it was, but that very first year he came up, he hit eight bombs in eight at-bats. Well, not eight at-bats, but he hit eight Eight bombs. hits. All eight of his hits were home runs. Yes, I was exactly. like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Just why? No, I totally understand where you're coming from. But yes, I mean, we have great things to talk about in terms of the Yankees. They're on a six-game game winning streak right now. They're winning, what, 11-1? to Yeah, so it's about to be seven. Okay, so um, yeah, Yankees looking great. Um, Luke Voigt becoming a legitimate MVP candidate. Like, he leads the league in home runs. He now has 19. He's fourth in RBIs. Well, this was before the game started with 42. 
um, leads the team with 22 extra base hits. This was obviously before the game today. Um, he was before the game averaging 9.1 at bats per home run, just threw my mic at myself and second in slugging percentage in the league. Hey, he just went and, and had himself another day. No problem. Just like no big deal. Also, another DJ day having himself a week, like five, or seven for nine with three doubles. Um, let's see. Where another home it? run tonight. Home yeah, run yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I think he had two yesterday, didn't he? He got the he one too. early, and then he – oh, man, that – when they put in the position player to pitch, that ball DJ hit was, like, so far inside. Like, any, like, respectable person would just be like, all right, like, I'm just going to let this one slide. Like, it was, like, a foot inside. And DJ is like, I am going to step entirely out of the box and hammer this to left field. Do it not bring that weak shit to me. 49 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how fast I drive on the throughway, which is also sad. But that's also how fast I drive on the throughway. Like, I, now I'm picturing how I'm driving to, from the mound to home plate. It looks like that, I guess. Yeah, I, that was absolutely absurd. He, there was no reason, no reason for DJ to open up on a on a ball a foot inside on him and just crush it into the outfield stands. Like, there was no reason for him to do that. And he was just like, I don't care. Fuck you. If only unwritten rules were, you know, a thing. Because yeah, how dare he? Wouldn't... How dare he? Making a mockery of the game. I that yesterday when Clint Frazier's belting home runs when they're up by, like, 16 runs. <laughs> He's just like, you know what? You're going to throw me a strike. I'm hitting it out of the park. And once again, Clint Frazier also red hot. Like, these guys look like they're dialed in. And the best part is it's only going to get better, right? Yeah, Aaron what? Judge came back today. John Carlos Stanton came back yesterday. Gio Urshela came back. Gio like, Urshela came back still raking. He just absolutely. decided he wanted to keep going where he left off. Yeah, we're finally back to like the fully, fully circular Yankees lineup where it's just uh, – there was a point in 2019 where the guys at the top weren't producing and then the bottom three were the best in baseball. And that's like the point we're getting back to where there's no, there's no easy breaks in this lineup. There's no Tyler Wade, Brett Gardner, I'm sorry – there's no more of that. It's everybody who steps up to the plate can handle themselves, and they're a threat to just go deep at any moment. Exactly, and they've made it very, very clear that they will gladly do that. And Luke Voigt is going through foot stuff. You know, it just sounds weird, but whatever. I don't know why they keep saying it like that. I know. I just keep wanting to do it with, like, the air quotes, like, foot stuff. Like, it just – I don't know. But yes, Luke Voigt is going through some stuff himself, and he's still just clubbing home runs so he doesn't have to run around the bases. Really smart. Really smart. I love it. Yeah, just take a nice leisurely trot. Remember how last week we were so sad? Like, we were sad. And we're fully back. 100% fully back. We had only won one game. We were five for our last 20 the last time we recorded. We had just barely beat the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. And, I mean, this is a huge series that we're going to sweep the Blue Jays in. And then we go, oh, where are we going this weekend? Uh, Boston. Boston. Okay, Boston's a really bad team. Uh, I should expect 40 more dollars or 30 more dollars. It's a four-game set? Uh, Three. Three game? All right, so 30 more dollars in my bank account come Monday. That's nice. But here's the thing. They can't get complacent. They have to just continue mashing. Like, if they don't, they're just going to be like, oh, it's fine. We're in the expanded playoffs because everyone's in the playoffs. And 
They're just oh. gonna go so easy. That cannot happen. Oh my God. Speaking of the expanded playoffs, I am so mad today. So yeah. mad about the yeah. expanded playoffs. Cause yesterday, Rob Manfred comes out and says, Oh, the owners really like the expanded playoffs. So that might stay beyond 2020. Yeah, no shit the owners like the expanded playoffs. They're not the gonna have to. Get yeah, there's gonna be a below 500 team in the playoffs this year. That's gonna happen. And we're just the Astros are at 500, and they're the sixth team ready yeah, and... to get into the playoffs. So we could see two below 500 teams make the playoffs this year, and potentially we... three. We think that's a good system going forward. Do we? No, yeah, absolutely. Gives it's so dumb. Give the little cheaters a chance. Come on. It's so dumb. What incentive? What incentive would a team have to take to take it to the next level? Like the right. well, before the season, I would have said the Los Angeles Angels, who's kind of middling this year, I guess. Let's mm-hmm. say the Colorado Rockies, their team that in in 162 game season, maybe they are in the playoff picture in expanded playoffs. They haven't been that great this year. Nolan Arenado hasn't had the best year, uh, but you look at them next year, and you say, okay, like, are we going to go out and spend a bunch of money and really improve our team so that we can compete with the Padres and Dodgers? Or since there's expanded playoffs, are we just going to kind of chill? We're just going to take a we got a team. We got a team that could possibly make the playoffs. The San Francisco Giants got significantly worse this year. Under 500, they're in the playoff picture. And it's just – it makes it's no sense. sense. And, you know, I, I saw a tweet. I don't think it was yesterday, but I think it was the day before from Mike Medvin. And he was like, um, basically, if this were a regular season, like you would have three people vying for that last playoff spot. You'd have the Yankees, I believe the Blue Jays and the Indians. And he's like, and that would have been so much fun to watch. Like actually the cutthroat, like good teams, over 500 teams that are really fighting for a playoff spot that they so deserve. Yeah, teams you could picture winning a World Series. Exactly. And instead, we're sitting here with the Yankees at the number five seed and the Astros six. Um, I believe that's what the picture's looking like right now, or at least earlier today. Um, And it's just, it is ugly. And it's going to be, the. this is what I said yesterday, the Yankees haven't had a losing season since 1992. Okay, so imagine telling Yankee fans next year that we're going to do expanded playoffs again. So probably three teams from the AL East are probably going to be in the playoffs. Who is going to pay attention from game number two until the playoffs start? Who cares? I didn't, I barely even cared this year when the Yankees were going through that horrible streak. It got to the point where I'm like, okay, like the Yankees might be in danger of missing the playoffs. Like we should probably get it together. But when that, that first week and a half, where the Yankees just couldn't win anything. Who cares? Get healthy for the playoffs. This doesn't matter. If I wasn't, if it wasn't my job to follow the Yankees, I probably would, I probably would have checked out mentally. Would just throw the game on in the background and just, oh, like if something interesting happens, like that's great. But if if I had no real investment in the team, I would not have paid attention because mm-hmm. I knew the Yankees yeah. were going to be in the playoffs anyway. These games literally don't matter. The guys in these mm-hmm. lineups are not going to be the guys who are on the postseason roster because everyone's hurt. We're missing everybody. So how are you going to get fans to care in July next year when the Yankees, they get off to a nice start. They get a nice comfortable lead. They're, let's say, 15 games over 500 come July. Who's going to pay attention? Who's going to pay attention for the rest of the season? 
Just us. Are you asking me? Is this a real question? No, it's just us. Just us and, and other psychopaths like us. But you're just gonna you're losing fan interest in the biggest part of the season. That's it's the longest season in sports. Right. And you're saying right, oh, exactly. it, it doesn't matter anymore. So at that point, well, just play sixty games every year. Who cares if it doesn't matter? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But yeah, the expanded playoffs. Bad. Makes me mad. Makes Bad. me mad. Makes me angry. And also, like, looking at the potential playoff picture as of earlier today, right, if the playoffs started right now, I keep throwing my mic. I don't know why, but sorry. If it started today, the Yankees would be the number five seed, and they would be playing in, well, in Minnesota against the Twins. I'm not afraid of the Twins. Are you That's not? Team. That's, I mean, their starting pitching is not really totally there. They have a couple I'm still of afraid nice of the starters. Twins. Yeah, I just think we match up well with them. And it's – I mean, it's like it's like playing the A's in the playoffs. Like, there's just something about it that I'm never going to be afraid of the Twins in the playoffs, especially after the last few years. Like, they're going to have the best team in Major League Baseball. Last year, they hit more home runs than us, and our starting pitcher pitching was a disaster. And come the playoffs, I'm like, I'm just, I don't care about the Twins. I don't care about the Twins. I'm already wow. looking to the next series. Obviously, I just get scared over everything because I, I would be slightly afraid of the Twins. But listen, I don't know how much more Yankees news you have, but I have some news. Go ahead. Bring the it's news. Like ba- it's baseball news. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Greg Bird has been signed. Yep. Greg Bird Greg and Bird. Joe Girardi reunited, sort Greg of. Bird He's going is- to the alternate site. <laughs> He's going to the alternate site, but finally reunited. I don't care. He is playing. He is with Joe Girardi, a guy who loves and respects him. Yes. Sadly, the corresponding move for that was DFAing Ronald Torres, though. Okay, but let's bring him back. I'm fine with that. I would love let's to have Ronald Torres back on this roster. Just as a, as a late game defensive replacement, pinch runner, like, sign me up. Like, honestly, you should have seen my face when I found out because the first thing I saw was that he got DFA'd and I was like, oh no. And then the next tweet was Greg Bird. And I was like, oh my God. Just like pure sadness followed by pure elation in a span of one second. That was me. I did that. I hope, I hope Bird gets a real shot in Philly. I mean, we've, we've said this ever since we finally let him go. Like, I wish nothing but the best for him, literally anywhere else. I was tired of, of him not performing in New York, so I wanted to get rid of him. But wherever he goes, should have been Colorado. I'm not just going to say that again, even though they already have two lefty first basemen. Let's just throw Greg Bird in the mix there, too. Um, manifest. Manifest. But uh, there's still just something about Greg Bird in Colorado where I'm like, he's going to be like a borderline Hall of Famer if he goes to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully he so, gets a real shot. So here's the other thing I wanted to chat about because I missed this game on Saturday. What happened with Aroldis Chapman? <laughs> oh, I almost forgot about this. Okay. <laughs> I need description because literally I just opened my Twitter. I was hiking and I like came back down and I was like, what is going on? Cause everyone's like, he's smiling after not blowing a lead and then oh, all of a sudden man. there was it, more okay so <laughs> this was so funny this was so so funny um what happened was he came in for the ninth inning uh it wasn't a safe situation it was a tie game he was just trying to keep it going 
and he gets the first out on a pop-up and he kind of starts trotting back to the dugout, back towards the dugout, looks into the dugout and smiles. And Aaron Boone thinks, oh no, like something's wrong. Like he's walking towards the dugout. Let's get the trainer out there, see what's going on. Trainer goes out for like 10 seconds. <laughs> the, the infield comes in. Everyone's like, all right, let's go check on Chappie, see if he's hurt. Aaron Boone's there for five seconds. Chapman says what's wrong, turns around, walks away. And <laughs> he's totally fine. <laughs> he goes on to pitch the rest of the rest of the inning just smiling and laughing the whole time gets the final strikeout uh doesn't stay for the high five line goes running into the dugout <laughs> into the into the locker room <laughs> after the game they say well you went out to check brian hoke actually was it goes well you went out to check on up on chapman what uh what happened there and boone starts laughing and goes well sometimes mother nature calls and <laughs> hoke with the line of the year goes oh okay no further questions so we are left to deduce that Araldis Chapman either did or nearly shit himself while pitching 100 mile per hour fastballs. All I know is I opened Twitter and Brian Hoke said, you know, I thought Derek Jeter was the last Yankee to wear number two. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? No, you you had to definitely see that one live because the the immediate reaction was what like what the hell is going on? Like Chapman looks happy. He looks like he's having a good time. That's not normal. And that post game press conference where it just immediately. Also great. It's also great that when your closer is smiling, you're like, oh, something's real. Something, something's, something, something's bad. He's not that happy. Oh man, I just I can't even imagine trying to trying to throw hundred mile per hour fastballs while also like trying to keep everything in place, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> just the physical exertion it takes for and Chapman gets low. Chapman's like when he goes down, he goes full down on the knee. There's uh -huh. a good chance that yeah. something drops out while he's while he's in his windup. <laughs> and he just gas at hundred miles per hour while trying to hold in a different kind of gas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This is unbelievable. You come up with that line yourself? I did right now. <laughs> Off the top of my head. I didn't tweet that one, I swear. I did um I tweeted out a a gif of you know, did you ever watch The Office? Mm-hmm. You know that scene where Kevin Malone is always just, I have to go to the bathroom, and then he starts running. <laughs> I tweeted that out with Araldis Chapman after he got that final out, just sprinting into the dugout screaming, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> couldn't even stay for the high five line. He couldn't even, like, that two minutes, that was the breaking point. And you know with the white pinstripes, you don't want to take oh, any man. chances. <laughs> Well, here's the other thing is like that if that happened when the Yankees were on a six game losing streak, we would just be no pun intended shitting on him. Like, it's like yeah, you work for ten minutes a day. You had twenty three hours and fifty minutes available to you today, and the ten minutes a day that you have to go to work, that's when the shit hits you. Oh my god. I'm so sad that I missed it live 
I definitely am because it sounds epic and just I had to know. I had to know what happens because oh, Boone played I knew it perfectly what happened, too. But it was even better when you told the story. So <laughs> Oh, Boone played it perfectly too. Just laughing like sometimes Mother Nature calls. Like everyone understands exactly what you're saying, Aaron. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what happens when you start getting older. When it hits you, you just gotta go. Oh my god. Oh my god. Well, Chappie, I'm glad that he's okay. Yeah. And I'm glad really? that he didn't blow the safe. I'm glad he didn't blow something else. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't really know. You know. That was also the next one up in my mind as well. And I just, <laughs> I thought I shouldn't say it. Oh, man. But you did, so it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, do you have we're anything good. else? Because I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know if I can come back from that. I don't know if I can come back from that for another topic. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing so hard. I'm crying. I just. Oh, my God. <laughs> My head hurts. Ooh. Um, honestly, no. I don't feel like there's anything else besides the fact that um, I've just noticed that. Oh my fucking god! No. Kyle Higashioka again, number three on the day. See, he's a one-zero count for me, so I gotta watch it now. Oh you know yeah, what? it was a good shot too. It was a pretty good now. shot. Didn't short portrait, that's for sure. Oh, three home run day for Higgy. Boys. What is going on? 13 to 1. They're just trying to make up for all that offense they missed out on uh, during that really rough stretch. Oh, well, that was pretty rough. Yeah, so Higgy with three hits today, all home runs, just piling on that theory. I don't know if he hit a single. I've, we might have hit a single when I, we were recording. But as far as I'm concerned, all three of Higashioka's hits today were home runs because the only time he ever gets hits are when they leave the ballpark. Well, yes, we've confirmed that. And Super confirmed. In the uh, in the past, wait, how many runs do they have right now? 13? 13. Holy yeah. shit. All right. So, in their past seven games, they've scored 61 runs. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Yeah, the offense is doing okay, I guess. I'll take it. That's that's decent. That's more of what we were expecting in the beginning of the year, to be completely honest. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm still laughing about Araldis Chapman. Uh, listen, I totally understand. I almost I almost completely forgot about that. That felt like so long ago. I almost if you didn't bring it up, I would not have remembered to bring it up. And I'm so glad you did. Can we just have an episode of straight puns? Like just straight puns where we just continue to beat a dead horse and just <laughs> beat it and beat it and just go all the way. Just go as far as we can. I mean, isn't that what we kind of do already? Yeah, but like on everything. Which we also kind of do. Okay, so we can okay. do that. No, no, next week we'll just we'll make it a point. I'll even I'll think of some puns ahead of time. Hopefully, oh, yeah. just getting getting the flow, and then once we're in the flow, some will just pop up in my head. Absolutely, absolutely. We're just going to be living memes here. <laughs> All right. So, are we done? Do we have anything else? We're done. Okay, we're done. Uh, leave a five star review for the new book from Colin, or also leave a five star review for Kyle Higashioka hitting three home runs. Or leave a five-star review because Araldis Chapman shit himself. Tough day at the office, you know? Tough day. You're 10 minutes of work. Tough day at the yeah, office. Exactly. All right. See ya. What's up? Is there a bathroom in the bullpen? Oh, yes, there is. Absolutely, there is. Mm, okay. Yeah. Just asking. I'm just it's just, to... hey, it was just rough timing. Slipped He's his never going to live this down. Oh, never. Where are the t-shirts? Has anyone come out with t-shirts? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. If, if no one's come out with t-shirts, we got to come out with t-shirts. 
I don't even know if we do t-shirts anymore, to be honest. I can't remember we, the last time we made a t-shirt. We can just say throwing gas and just have a number on it. <laughs> just all gas puns. Was, I, did see, I did see one meme of there was that news about Odell Beckham Jr. relating to, <laughs> relating to shitting. <laughs> Somebody yes. somebody plastered Odell Beckham Jr. over that Aroldis Chapman, Dylan Batantis, uh, we bring the heat fake Yankees ad, if you remember that one. Yeah. And someone someone plastered Odell over that. And it's just him and Aroldis Chapman, like, we bring the heat. Oh, just just one more thing. If you type in Aroldis Chapman in the search box of Twitter, the <laughs> The memes are great. <laughs> if you need a good laugh or a good cry, like whatever you need. A good yeah. laugh and cry like you're having right now. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. We're, we're going to wrap it up there. I'm going to, I'm absolutely clipping something from Morel. This Chapman shitting himself. That's, that's 100% the clip that's going out. I don't even know. I might not even clip it with the actual footage. I might just, I might just want our reaction to that. Definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. I would agree with that. All right. So we're wrapping it up there and we'll see y'all next week. Okay. Sounds good. Staying healthy.